So this morning in honor of Father's Day, uh, we're going to share with you a message entitled Men of Legacy. And last Sunday, uh, I made this statement as we were talking about what it means to be strong and courageous. I made this statement last Sunday. I said that, uh, that there comes a point in each of our lives where we understand that God's vision for your life and God's vision for our church is generational. That when God looks at you, God's vision for your life, God doesn't just see you, God sees through you to see the generations that are coming after you. And we talked about how significant that is as individuals that we begin to get that next generational vision and we begin to understand that God wants to do something in us so God can do something through us to touch the next generation. And so this morning, we're going to kind of drill down just a little bit deeper into that thought as we talk about what it means to be men of legacy. And for all you ladies out there today, a lot of these principles are going to roll right over into your life. So I think everybody's going to walk out of here today with, I think, hopefully some deeper understanding really of your significance, number one, men, uh, as husbands and fathers in the house and for all you ladies, as wives and moms, you're going to see today how important you are. And for all of you young people that have not yet entered into that adult stage of life, you're going to recognize some things that God is not just looking to your parents. God is looking to you. And that you have a mantle on your life by the Holy Spirit. And that God has set every generation apart for a unique work by the Holy Spirit. And when every generation does their part to fill the puzzle, so to speak, amazing, beautiful things uh, really do happen. So look at that first point on your outline this morning for all you note takers out there. So God alone is the one who establishes a lasting covenant. God alone is the one who establishes a lasting covenant. And through his covenant, we're going to see today that through his covenant, God transformed an ordinary man into what he calls a father of many nations. It's Abraham. We're going to read the story today of Abraham and we're going to recognize how that through Abraham's covenant with God, an ordinary man became the father of many nations. So look with me in Genesis chapter 17 and we're going to start there in verse 1. The Bible says, when Abram was 99 years old, y'all say 99. 99. Now look at your neighbor and say, you're not too old. Now look at your neighbor and say, you're not too young. 99 years old and God still had a plan. 99 years old and God still had a vision. 99 years old and God was still orchestrating new things that he wanted to do in the heart and the life of Abram, who we're going to see today becomes Abraham. And we learned a few weeks ago from Dr. Forrest how significant that name change is and how that God has a divine identity for each and every one of us. Let me go ahead and, and, and uh, just kind of preface this message with this thought. If you're here today and you're on the latter end of your life, I want you to understand there is no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. You can retire from your job, but you can't retire from the kingdom. Why? Because every season and every stage of your life unlocks new opportunities and new potentials. Whether you're a teenager and you're going into college, or whether you're 60-year-old and you're stepping into your 70s, it doesn't matter what season of life you are in. There is always a divine anointing and unction upon your life, and every new season creates a new 
opportunity for you to do things for the kingdom that you have never been able to do before. Amen? So I want you to embrace that. So Abram was 99 years old, the Bible says, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live blameless, live a blameless life. Look at verse 2. And I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. It was God, Abraham's covenant with God that would release that generational blessing that would cause him to have countless descendants that would carry on from generation to generation. And let me just encourage you in something today. I believe the key to a lasting legacy, man, I want you to hear me today. The key to a lasting legacy is your covenant with God. As a man and as a husband and as a father, the key to a lasting legacy is going to be your covenant with God. It's not going to be your financial portfolio. It's not going to be the money you leave in the bank. It's not going to be the business that you're going to transfer to the next generation. Your greatest legacy is going to be rooted and grounded in your covenant with God. And because of a covenant with God through Jesus Christ, right now we enter into what the Bible calls the new covenant where we now have a right relationship with God because of faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And through that covenant, hear me today, you have an opportunity to pass on a generational blessing that according to the book of Deuteronomy will go a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. Think about that. You have the ability to leave a legacy that will reach a thousand generations based on your covenant relationship with God. Now, there's a really sobering thought in that realization, and that is that if you flip the coin, I want to read a scripture to you. It's not on the screen for all you note takers. Write down Psalms 37 verse 28. Psalms 37 verse 28 says this, For the Lord God loves judgment, and he forsakes not his saints, and they are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Let me give you a sobering thought today. When a man rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ, he cuts himself off from a covenant relationship with God. How many of you know there's only one way to go to the Father? And Jesus said, I'm the way. When a person rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ, specifically men for you that are here today, and for all you dads that are watching me online, when a man rejects his covenant, rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ, he cuts himself off from a covenant with God. He cuts himself off from the blessing of God. And ultimately, he cuts himself off from eternal life and damns his soul to a place called hell. But that's not the worst part. The worst part is that the Bible says in Psalms 37, 28, that the seed of the wicked is also cut off. When a man rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only does he cut himself off from what God wants to do, he cuts his kids off. He cuts his grandkids off. And he actually begins to implement a generational curse that separates his family and his lineage and his descendants from the very good things that God intended to do in his life. Now the realization is, is God's a good father. Can I get an amen from somebody today? 
And God will bypass the rebellion of the Father to save the Son. And many of you are here today, come on somebody, because you may not have grew up in a godly home, but God bypassed the choice of your parents to reject God, and He redeemed you. Can I get an amen from somebody today? And God stepped in and he intervened on your behalf in spite of the fact that your father or mother rejected him. God, by his mercy and grace, stepped in and saved you so that you could begin to implement a righteous seed and release the blessing of God. But I want you to see the sobriety of that truth. When I accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, I release a generational blessing and I invite my children into a covenant with God. When I reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, I reject my covenant with God and I literally cut my seed off from knowing God through me. And when I was intended to be a pipeline of blessing, I become a curse that disconnects instead of unites my children's heart to the heart of the Father. And that ought to sober us up just a little bit. The seriousness and significance of your role, Father, is beyond measure. And it is powerful for us to begin to understand and embrace the responsibility and the authority that God has given us to influence our children and our children's children and our children's children up to a thousand generations by simply choosing to walk in covenant relationship with God. What a good thing that is. Amen? So let's read on verse 3. It says, And at this Abram fell face down to the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. And what's more, I'm changing your name, and it will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I want you to hear this today. We're not just raising kids. We're fathering nations. And the realization is I'm probably never going to birth a nation, and you're probably never going to birth a nation. The nation of Israel has already been birthed under Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I want you to hear this today. We're not just raising kids. We are raising influencers of nations. Your children have the potential to shape and change nations, governments, business, and even faith. Your children have the power to rise up because they are divine seed born again into the kingdom of God. And we are not just raising children. We are shaping nations as we raise up influencers. Not just social media influencers who have a personal following, but actually men and women of God who will shape a nation by the life and integrity and character that they live their lives with. And that's a powerful thing. Several years ago, Kelly and I, there was a little stint here at Liberty Church where we were leading the youth and Kelly was taking the charge and doing such an amazing job. And one of the things we did with the youth during that season is she implemented what we called a Christmas formal. And we had this big dinner at Christmas and we had this big fancy meal and we had to taught the kids how to do the waltz and how to dance and really cool stuff, you know. We brought in Curtis and Diane Snyder. Miss Diane taught us how to eat properly, what fork and spoon you're supposed to use. I didn't even know there was a right way to drink soup. I mean, we learned all that stuff. And it was amazing. 
And the heartbeat behind that Christmas formal was really simple. We told our youth and our kids, you are royalty. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And one day you may be invited to sit at the table with the President of the United States and you ought to know what fork to use. And one day you may not be invited to sit at the table with the President of the United States. One day you may be the President. You may be the Governor. You may be the Senator. You may be the Congressman or the Congresswoman that's making the decisions and writing the laws that's shaping a nation. And you ought to know how not only just to eat, you ought to know how to live, and you ought to know how to lead, and you ought to know how to speak, because you are royalty. And I want you to understand, as God spoke over Abraham, he said, you're going to be a father of many nations. You're not just going to raise kids, you're going to raise individuals that are going to shape Nations, And for all you young people, I want you to understand, don't, don't trudge through your teenage years and think that what you're doing now doesn't matter. God wants to shape you and take you while you are young so that before you are old, you can sit at the table of those who are shaping the nations of the world. And you can know not just how to eat, but how to act and how to live. And how to honor God in a way that pushes his kingdom further in advancement toward what God wants to do in the earth. Amen? That's the power of what God is doing. That's the power that we have as fathers. Verse 6, he says, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is an everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you are now as foreigners to you and your descendants. And it will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Look at that next point. So in these last days, God desires men and fathers to step up and lead and pass on a legacy of faith that will, that will listen to me, that will outlive our physical bodies for generations. We need authentic men to rise up with God-sized dreams and visions. God desires men, fathers, to step up. Come on, guys, to step up and to pass on a legacy of faith that will outlive our physical, financial heritage. I want to just say to you today, the greatest thing you can leave your children is a legacy of faith. The greatest thing you can leave your children is a legacy of faith. In Joel chapter 2 verse 28, listen to this scripture. It says, then after doing all these things, in the last days God is speaking about here, he says, I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. We're going to talk about in just a minute what God's dream and God's vision is for your life as a man. But I want to challenge you to think about something else today. What is your dream and what is your vision for your children? And more specifically, what's your faith dream for them? What's your faith dream and vision for your children? See, I recognize something. I recognize that most men have a physical dream for their kids. They have a financial dream for their kids. They have an educational dream for their kids. They might even have an athletic dream for their kids. But I don't mean a lot of men that have a faith dream for their kids. And at the end of the day, our personal financial educational and athletic lives are going to come to an end. And at the end of the day, when they stand before the Lord and give an account for their life, 
It will not matter how many games they won or how much money they made. It will matter did they live a life of faith and did they carry and leave a legacy of faith to their children and their children's children. See, I believe I know this about all the guys that are in here today. If you're like me, and I believe you are, you want your kids, come on somebody, you want them to go to heaven. How about that? We all want our kids to be saved. We all want them to be saved, set free, and made whole. But let me just be real honest with you. And I'm a pastor, and so I understand my view is probably just a little bit distorted. I don't just want my kids to go to heaven. I actually want them to go to church. And I want them to be the church. And I want them to build the church. And I want them to advance God's kingdom. As a matter of fact, Kelly's dream and vision for all of our kids was simply this. We wanted our kids to take the unique gifts and talents that God had given them. And use the unique gifts and talents that God had given them to build the local church. Because the local church, by the way, is God's idea. We wanted our kids to build the local church and to advance God's kingdom. And we never put pressure on, you got to be in the ministry, you got to be a pastor, you got to do this. No, we didn't care about any of that stuff. What we cared about is that they would take the unique expression of their gifts, their heart and their passion, and use it to build the local church and advance God's kingdom, whatever that looked like for them. That was our dream and our vision. What's yours? What's your faith dream for your kids, guys? And what a tragedy to think that we might raise our kids up to make money and have financial success, but they don't know how to pray, they don't know how to read the Bible, and they've never led anybody to the Lord. But yet they're successful. Well, let me just challenge us today, because that measure of success is not going to fly very high when they stand before a holy God. And their eternal reward will not be based on their physical success. It will be based on the spiritual legacy that they leave behind. And that's sobering to me. If I have a faith vision and a faith dream for my kids, then it impacts the way I live. It impacts the things that I do. It impacts the choices that I make. But if I don't have a faith dream and a faith vision, then where there's no vision, the people perish. And I'll spend the rest of my life as a dad helping my kids obtain things that are important. I'm not saying they don't need physical, financial, or even athletic success. Come on, somebody, let's let's put out some superstars. I'm good with that. But if we put out superficial superstars who don't have a real faith in a living God that will sustain them when all hell breaks loose, Because it doesn't matter if you are a superstar and if you're a millionaire, all hell breaks loose. And it's the faith that you have in a living God named Jesus Christ that will sustain you in those moments of your life. No matter what your career path or what your position. And it is our opportunity as men to have a vision and a dream of faith for our kids to grow up and serve God. Amen. Look at that next point. Honorable man lives with legacy in mind. This is huge. He lives with legacy in mind. A man of legacy is not defined by the world. He is shaped by God and his word. His identity and his purpose come from his relationship with Jesus Christ. His ultimate desire is to see God's truth lived out and passed on. We've got to live with a legacy mindset. We've got to live with a realization that we're not living for ourselves. This is not all about me. 
And what I want you to see, we're about to look at the, John the Baptist's life, and we're going to see something significant about John the Baptist because John the Baptist recognized something. John the Baptist knew who he was. He knew what he was called to do, and he knew the place that he had to play in God's kingdom, and he embraced it fully because I want you to hear me today, guys. When we talk about our dream and vision for our kids, we need a faith vision. Yeah, we need a physical, financial, and educational, and maybe an athletic vision, but we need a faith vision. But we also need a God vision for our lives. And let me encourage you in something. It doesn't have to be glamorous. <laughs> let, let's just be honest. Some of the most mighty men of God that you know and the people that you and I look up to, I'm just going to tell you, the people I look up to, they haven't lived glamorous lives, but they've lived godly lives. And the world may not know their name, but I know their name. And my life has been changed because of the way they live their life. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll chase the glamour of this world with social media and all its appeal. And we'll miss the heart and the vision of God. So let's look at John the Baptist. I want you to see this. In John chapter 3, John the Baptist is being confronted because his disciples are coming to him. They said, John, hey, there's something wrong going on here. All of our disciples are not all of them, but some of our disciples, the people that have been following you, they're no longer following you. Now they're following Jesus. What are we going to do? Look what he says. He says, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. And you yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. He knew who he was. He knew what he was called to do. And it's the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He becomes greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are the earth, and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Listen to this. John knew his identity, his purpose, and his place. But John's ministry, dream, and vision, listen to this, was not to be the big cheese. <laughs> It was to prepare the way for Christ. And then John knew something. John, John knew that if he did what God had called him to do, there would come a time in his life, listen to me, man. He knew if he did what God had called him to do, there would come a season in his life where Jesus was supposed to get bigger and he was supposed to get smaller. He knew there would come a season in his life, listen to me, where he would begin to have to swap lanes. And begin to make room for what was coming behind him. And as a father, I want you to hear me today. If you're a young father with young children, there will come a season where one day you're going to have to swap lanes. And you're going to have to begin to make room for the next generation. As spiritual mothers and fathers in this room today, listen to me today. As spiritual mothers and fathers in this room, there comes a season in our life where we begin to have to swap lanes. Let me tell you, I want you to hear this today. We don't get out of the game. We just change lanes. And here's what's exciting about changing lanes and making room for the next generation. You don't become less significant. You become more significant. Let me give you a good natural illustration. I don't know if there's any basketball fans in the house. Golden State won another championship. All the Golden State fans, let me hear you. One of you. 
Golden State's coach, Stephen, how do I say, Carr? Kerr, Stephen Kerr. I wrote that down so I wouldn't say it wrong, and I said it wrong anyway. But I didn't look at my notes, that's why. Stephen Kerr. Stephen Kerr, I, I was, somebody was telling me about his speech after the game, and, and it just kind of got me curious. And somebody said, hey, do you know Stephen Kerr has won nine championships? I thought, that's amazing. So I began to look at it, and this is what I found out. He won five championships as a player on a team. And he's won four championships as a coach of a team. Nine championships. Somebody say, Michael Jordan, eat your heart out. You know why? He knew there came a season, five championships as a player. There came a season in his life where he realized he had to get off the court as a star and get on the sideline as a coach. He didn't become less significant. He became more significant. He didn't lose value. He gained value. When he was a player on the court, he had to worry about one person doing his job as a part of the team. And all of a sudden, he went from being one person doing his part as a part of the team to being the coach on the sideline that now oversees the team, sets the strategy for the team, casts the vision for the team, and draws the best out of every player on the team. And five championships as a player, four championships as a coach... Shows that no matter what season you're in, you never get out of the game. But sometimes you got to swap lanes. And I don't know, you know, I've shared this last few weeks. I've turned 50 back in December, and I'm just, something has shifted in my mindset. I am now looking back at this generation behind me with more intensity than I've ever looked before. And I realize I'm coming into a season where, you know what, it excites me so much to think about what it's going to look like one day when I step off the stage and I step to the sideline and I get to coach the team. Now, all you young guys, I'm not there yet. Hold on. <laughs> Still got a little, few more years in me. Come on, Jesus. But what I'm recognizing is that every season, Every season is significant. And that as a father, just like John the Baptist, there comes a point where you say, hey, you know what? It's time for me to decrease out of the spotlight so they can increase in the spotlight. But I'm not out of the game. I just shifted lanes. And now I'm not the player on the field because I can't run like I used to run and I can't shoot like I used to shoot and I can't hang like I used to hang. But I know what they don't know and they need what I got in a way they've never even known they need it. And I can invest in them in a way that can help us as a team go further than we ever imagined possible. And let me give you a great word today. For all of you that are a little above maybe 50 years old in that season of life, let me encourage you in something. There's a great church out in California called Bethel. Bethel Church attracts thousands of young people in their 20s. Thousands of young people every year go out to be a part of Bethel. Their school of ministry, a school of supernatural healing. And their pastor was interviewed a couple years ago and they asked him this question. They said, why? Why in, in a season when most churches are struggling to hold on to their young people, how are thousands of young people flocking to, to, to Bethel Church every year to be a part of what God is doing here? And, and, and his answer was amazing. This is what he said. He said, well, they come to Bethel because they're hungry for the supernatural. 
They want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. They, they know there's got to be a God that heals and a God that delivers and a God that saves. And they want to be a part of the supernatural power of God. But then he made this statement. He said they come for the supernatural. But then he said this. He said, but the reason they stay is because they're looking for spiritual mothers and fathers. And he said, we have created a culture where we mother and father people in the faith. So for all of you folks that are here today older than 50, let me encourage you. You are not out of the game. You're just switching lanes. And there is a generation right now that is craving spiritual mothers and fathers. They're craving somebody that will invest in them, somebody that will pour into them, somebody that will challenge them, somebody that will call them up higher and call them out when they get off the path. They are craving spiritual mothers and fathers. We have a world of a fatherless generation, but we have a church that can be a father to the fatherless and a mother to the mother. So for all of you folks that are a little more mature in age, let me challenge you today. Don't check out. Check in. Don't check out. Check in. And don't get out of the game. Just switch lanes because there's somebody wanting you to coach them, mentor them, disciple them, and help them do what God has called them to do. And I believe Liberty Church is that church. I believe God is positioning Liberty to be that church in North Alabama that we can father and mother a generation in the faith, that we can leave a spiritual legacy that will last forever. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, for all you note takers, you're going to have to look on the app because we're going to roll down to the next to the last point. Men of legacy are trailblazers. A trailblazer has foresight and prepares the way for others. Their accomplishments, their faith, their sacrifice manifest God's blessing and grace for generations to come. A true legacy, a man's true legacy and faithfulness can still be felt long after they are gone. Go ahead and stay there for just a minute for all of you taking notes. I want to read this scripture to you. It's on your outline. You can look at it in a minute. It's John chapter 21. And in John chapter 21, the apostle John is recounting the life and the ministry of Jesus. And this is what he says. This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. And Jesus also did many other things. And if they were written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. The Apostle John writes down the story of Jesus Christ. He writes down the legacy of faith that Jesus left not only to his spiritual sons, but to me and you thousands of years later, still gleaning and growing from the teaching and the ministry and the life of Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question today for all you dads out there. What are the stories? Your kids are going to tell about you. What are the stories your kids are going to tell about you? Are there any stories of faith? 
Are there any stories of, man, I saw dad on his knees. I saw dad serving in the church. I saw dad leading other men. I saw dad making a difference. I was with dad. I remember I was 13 years old, and we pulled over, and we helped this homeless guy, and we shared the gospel with him. And I remember when dad used to take me to church, and I'd go kicking and screaming, and we'd go to that men's fellowship, and we'd go hang out. I didn't want to be there, but he took me there. And all of a sudden, as a result of that, I connected to some other men that began to speak in my life. And I saw dad in the Word, and I saw dad in prayer. And I remember getting up early and going to the kitchen table. And there as I walked in the kitchen, Daddy was there with his Bible open. And he was doing his quiet time. And I remember hearing Daddy praying for me and praying for Mama and praying for our brothers and sisters. And I remember seeing Daddy serving God and sacrificing and giving generously to help people that were in need. Are there any stories of faith? What are the stories your kids are going to tell about you? The Apostle John said, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> and if I were to really tell you everything that Jesus did, oh my goodness, the world couldn't even hold the books that I could write. Holy Spirit quickened something in my heart. He said, Keith, he said, Keith, it's not just the things that we do. It's not just the words that we speak. But he said this to me, and it really checked my heart. He said, it's also the way we make our kids feel that will determine the stories they'll tell about us. Did we make them feel insignificant and unimportant? Did we make them feel like they were an afterthought or that they were a burden or that they were an interruption? Or did we make them feel important? Did we make them feel valuable? Did we make them feel significant? Did we make them feel like they had a place in the family and their voice really mattered? Did they feel like I believed in them? Or did they feel like they were there all on their own. The things that we say, the things that we do, and the way we make our kids feel will determine the stories that they tell. Here's the good news, guys. We've all had bumps, bruises, and bloopers in the story. But we can begin again today to write a story of faith that can fill the mouth of our children and our children's children. So that when they talk about daddy and papa, they talk about something more than just the goofy, crazy things that he did, even though those are important. They talked about the fact that there was a legacy of faith that was passed on. It's a quote by Mark Batterson. He says this. He says, your legacy is not what you accomplish. It's not your success, it's not your victories, it's not your money, it's not your business, it's not your fame, it's not your fortune. Your legacy is not what you accomplish. Listen to me. Your legacy is what others accomplish because of you. That's your legacy. I want us to bow our heads today. We started out very early in this message saying that it's your covenant with God that creates a lasting legacy. And if you're here today and you've not accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, well then, by your own choice, you've cut yourself off from what God wants to do in your life. But not only have you cut yourself off, but you've also disconnected your children from an opportunity to know God through your life 
And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm not saved. I've never been born again. Maybe I'm a good person. Maybe I'm a religious person. But I'm not saved. My heart's never really been changed. But today I want to be born again. If you're watching online, maybe that's you right now. Maybe all over the world today you're listening to this voice. And maybe you're recognizing that there's something right now in your life that's missing. And what's missing is your relationship with God. Here's the good news today. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Every father in this room has work to do. I promise you, I got work to do. I want to make sure I leave a story of faith and a legacy of hope. Not only to my natural children, but to the spiritual children that we have the opportunity to raise up. But if you don't know Jesus, then there is no legacy of faith because it all begins with him. So if you're here today in this room or you're watching online and you say, Pastor Keith, that's me. I want to enter into a covenant with God. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. This is not just for men. This is not just for fathers. This is for any person out there today. Male or female, young or old, if you don't know Jesus and you've never been born again, then today the Bible says is a day of salvation. Now's the appointed time. So if that's you in this room, let's just raise your hand right now. Today I want to be born again. I want to accept Christ. I want to enter into a covenant with God through faith in Jesus. And I want to begin today to leave a legacy of faith. I want to begin today to leave a legacy of faith. If you're online, just hit that hand emoji. Type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. This is your moment to begin to write a new story. What a powerful honor that is. So we're going to pray together today. So I want to ask everybody in the room to say it with me. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. And I want to leave a legacy of faith. So I receive you, Lord Jesus. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. For all you dads out there, we love you. Miss Chassie, if you will, come on up here. We're going to give away our uh, last prize here for the day. Thank you so much. All right, last three numbers. Well, somebody help me. Um, eight, six, eight. Eight, six, eight. Right there, come on up, brother. Congratulations. $50 cash. John Wesley said you got to spend it having fun somewhere. I don't know. You could take me to eat wings. That sounds like fun. Let's give Chris one more round of applause. I love you, brother. Amen. Everybody grab you a donut on the way out. We love you guys. Happy Father's Day.